Yo, what's up, people? B things back for another episode of the All Things Bengals podcast. Today is the first. Uh, no, actually, I had first post game episode last week, but that was a little bit fucked up because I was in Florida and timing and shit like that. But uh, tonight, gonna be going over the week two game at the Giants Stadium, MetLife Stadium. Against the Giants, uh, a lot transpired in that game. A lot of positives and um, some negatives, but you know what? That's what you get in the preseason. Um, and then going to, yeah, so going to recap the game. Going to go over some key points, winners, losers that I believe, um, you know, who I believe are winners and losers from the game. And then also heading into week three and what's week three of the preseason and what to expect with the joint practice and the final game of the preseason. So, let me go ahead, get my notes here. <clears throat> so we're going to go ahead and, um, you know, as I'm an optimistic guy, as most of y'all know, um, we're going to go straight to the positives. One of the biggest positives of week two is definitely Chris Evans. Again, he continues to prove that he is an electric player, not just a serviceable player, not just a reliable player. Not just sometimes electric, because Samaj P. Ryan's been electric at times too. The dude is absolutely electric. Incredible. Coming up with that 75-yard kick return, almost touchdown, super close. Um, again, just like last week. He did a 60-yard kick return last week. The dude makes it look easy. So awesome production from him again. It's been really unfortunate because he also had a significant run yesterday that was Taken back from penalty. And I remember after the first preseason game, there were multiple people that texted me, yo, you know, what do you think about Chris Evans? I'm looking at his stat sheet. I guess they, you know, must not have watched the game much or missed uh, the plays that transpired for him. And they were texting me concerned about his production because he had eight carries for negative three fucking yards. But the reality of the game last week was that the dude ran like a 75-yard, what, a 75-yard touchdown? Or 75-yard run? That was taken back from penalty. So it happened last night. He had another play. Uh, I don't know how significant it was. That was taken back from penalty. Nonetheless, beyond the penalties, it's what the dude is doing on the field. He's an elite player and certainly a winner of last night's game. Uh, another winner is Cordo Volson. He had a damn good game. Not an elite game. Wasn't absolutely dominant. But he was sturdy, solid. Now, PFF was a little bit more harsh on him, which is kind of surprising. But a lot from what I saw and from, you know, people's opinions who I value on Twitter say they saw of Cordell was uh, stability. Stability. One of the things I loved seeing from him again and again, I posted on my story, was when the line of scrimmage was completely decimated. The O-linemen were far back, just destroyed on the reps. The other four linemen destroyed, got crushed in their reps. Cordell was the only guy that stayed sturdy, had good control, feet planted, hands in a solid position, good anchor down on his defender. He was the only guy that stood strong and did his job. After everybody else leaked, everything else broke down, he was the guy again and again and again that was sturdy. The Jacquez Patrick touchdown or the Travion one, 
I think it was a Jock Patrick one. Who did they run behind? 67, hitting that three gap right behind Cordell, and he drove his dude back yards into the end zone. That's exactly what you need. Like, Cordell, I think he, I don't want to say he secured that spot, but damn it. I mean, it's about as close as you can get. Um, They're definitely not closing the door for Jackson, but damn it, like, it's almost there. So good for Cordell and definitely a winner of the game. Um, Another winner, Kwame. We finally saw Kwame show out tonight. Um, uh, Ugly play with the second, you know, with the two-point conversion. Wide open pass. It got to his head. It's okay. Like, you just, it can't happen. Can't happen. He's lucky that he had a baller night. Um, He just looks so elusive. He's so good with the ball in his hands. He's so quick. He just looked like a man amongst boys out there when he had the ball in his hands. It seemed like every play, when he had the ball in his hands, he could have scored. Breaking tackles, making cuts, creating space. It was really impressive. So good showing by Kwame. Uh, and other good showing. The stats may not show it, but the plays that he had, he made the most of them, and they were really uh, impressive plays that he made. Kendrick Pryor, man, he just looks like a mini version of Auden Tate. Not the size, certainly not the catch radius, because of the size, you know, for Auden Tate creating the bigger catch radius for him. Kendrick Pryor, I mean, the dude was making... Jeez, like I remember there was a shallow out route, like a or or a drag, something like three, five yards past the line of scrimmage. The dude fighting for his life. Uh, I don't know who who was, you know, bump and run with him, a cornerback, linebacker, whatever. They made a good play as a defender, but just tight window throw, super tight coverage, and Kendrick came down with it. It's like, God damn, like it's like Auden Tate exactly. So many plays we'd see from Auden Tate. It was like, damn, like, that was kind of, it was not a huge impact play. Auden didn't make many of those. But it's like, damn, like, you made that happen? That was how, that's what I thought of Kendrick last night. So he continued to have a good game. Um, I did not pay attention to him much on special teams. Uh, I definitely want to look into that and gain some insight on that because that is the huge thing. Um. That makes me kind of want to touch again on the receivers. You know, after preseason game two, it seems pretty clear that the top six are set in stone. Obviously, you have your dominant trio. But that second, that second string trio, Stan, Michael Thomas, Trent Taylor. I think Stan and Trent are going to be receiver 4.5s, and I think Mike is going to be the clear-cut 45 or a or, or receiver 5-6 uh, guy. The reason I call Stan and Trent Taylor 4.5 is, is because I think the Bengals are going to value them the exact same, but for run offense and passing offense. No, that doesn't mean... I think I already uh, mentioned this on the podcast before, but if I didn't, I'll just make this example with it. No, that doesn't mean Stan's going to get zero targets on the year. And no, that doesn't mean that Trent Taylor's going to have zero blocking reps this year. I just think that how they want to scheme them up is going to be directed towards those things. So, that's your six. The Bengals, 
okay, I actually have touched on this in my last podcast. You're curious on what that number seven receiver is going to be. Um, and what tonight, like, I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting because, like, Kawami shows he's electric. Kendrick shows he's electric in different ways. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Bengals manage these guys. I think what's going to happen is that be prepared, my people, be prepared. Kendrick and Kawami are likely going to get cut. But the Bengals are going to do whatever the hell it takes to bring those guys back, either on the practice squad or maybe end up signing them to the 53 later. It's just, this is a Super Bowl roster, guys. We have one of the best rosters in football. The most elite of the elite talent as a whole group at the receiver position. This is what happens. This is receiver you, baby. We produce studs like this. We find studs like this. And sometimes you're the odd man out, even if you're a guy that's more than worthy of having a spot. Um, so those guys, Stanley Morgan did damn good last night in his limited reps, uh, showing some of that work at the receiver position. I don't think he did much at all, but man, that that uh, first drive, he had a really impressive um, catch. I think it was a 10-yard out route. Uh, or maybe a comeback, something like that. Just a really impressive rep. Good by him, good route. Um, I think it was a contested catch. It was just an impressive play. So good for Stan. Um, it's it's just really nice to see him really begin to uh, solidify a role, a nice, respectable role for us. Um, Dax Hill, what are we doing? This dude's a fucking stud. Like, the dude is elite is an elite athlete. It's insane. Like Jesse Bates is still on this team. This three safety look is going to be fucking lethal. This may be the like one of the most dominant trios of a safety group if Luke can maximize their production together on the field that we've ever seen. Dax is an elite playmaker beyond just the miraculous pick. Like the dude nearly had two interceptions in week one. Yes, shoulda, coulda, woulda. We're all aware of that. But a PBU is a PBU, and production is production. The dude nearly had two interceptions week one. Nearly could have pulled down the insane diving one in the end zone that that got broken up um, with contact hitting the field after he dove on his back. So imagine if he would have had two picks in his first two weeks of football in the NFL. Insane. Plus, those are against starters, at least... This game. Incredible play by Dax Hill. He's everywhere. Um, shout out to phenomenal guys on Twitter. I never want to be shy to give praise to those guys. Um, a lot of the insiders, analysis people that are way smarter than me, way more intelligent than me, spitting crazy statistics. One guy posted where Dax has lined up so far in week uh, weeks one and two. It would blow your fucking mind. I kind of regret not having the post on me. Um so it might be for that. But he's lined up at six different spots. He's had four fucking snaps at on the defensive line in the first two weeks. Daxton Hill has had four snaps on the defensive line so far this season. Like, what? The Bengals are maximizing this kid already. They're putting him everywhere. They know why they drafted him. They're not being shy. They're not keeping him at that free safety spot and say, oh, you're going to be our free safety until Jesse comes back. No, 
This is your time to be that fucking jackknife. To be absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. And he's been doing that. And he's been looking dominant at it. A man amongst boys. We don't need to see Dax Hill anymore. Honestly, I don't need to see another snap of him in fucking week three of the preseason. Plus, he's going to get a lot of intense work in this joint practice coming up this week, which I'll touch on later in this episode. Elite play by Dax Hill. Going to be an extremely exciting year. I mean, I, I just can't wait. However much this guy gets on the field, the Bengals have... I don't know if there's a player they're more excited to put on the field than Dax Hill because of his situation with Jesse. Obviously, Jesse, the proclaimed free safety number one. We know that. But you can't wait to use a guy like Dax. Can't wait. Super exciting. Great play by him. Jeff Gunter. Um, didn't show up much on the stat sheet. No sacks. I think just one pressure. Um, maybe one pressure. But, man, he had some nice hurries. He had he decked um, Webb, I think it was. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't think it's Tyrod Taylor, quarterback Davis Webb, something like that. He decked the dude, threw fucking double blocks, threw a double block, um, crushed him on a play. I think Davis Webb still like managed to get the completion. Pretty impressive play by him. But while um, Jeff Gunter and Zach Carter, I might as well add with them. You know, kind of a tandem that we've seen play together a lot. Um, you know, in weeks one and two. Didn't show up much on the stat sheet, but their presence is still known. Zach had a more quiet night. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to dive more in depth on exactly what transpired for him production-wise. Um, but not much from him. Not a ton from Jeff. But still good signs. Good signs from both of those guys. Clay Johnston, holy dog shit. Holy dog shit. The dude had 20 fucking tackles. 16 solos. Four assists. What are we doing? Stud. Laying the fucking hammer too. He has taken a step forward. I was actually in question, not doubting, but legitimate questions of while we had phenomenal, the deepest linebacking core in the league, and we have it this year again. Again. Um, Was with Al Golden leaving as a linebackers coach, going back to be the head coach of Notre Dame or a defensive coordinator or something like that. And James Betcher coming in, I didn't know if we'd see the same production from those guys. Because, yes, while we drafted three guys in 2020 that were prominent players at the linebacker group, and they all hit, which is really rare, especially for the fucking Bengals, Al Golden, I think he had a really big impact on him. So for a guy like Clay Johnston, a back-end roster guy, the linebacker six, I think? Yeah, linebacker six? For him to play like that, it's fucking awesome. It's incredible. Like, surely a practice squad guy. Um, and yeah, I think the Bengals are going to be super excited to bring him back. Expect him to get cut because you're not keeping six linebackers. But that is a guy that is staying on your roster. He was everywhere. Glue on the players with the fucking football in blue. Glue to the guys in blue laying the fucking hammer. So, awesome performance by Clay, Clay Johnson last night. Um, let's see, Trent Irwin, um, costly play at the very end of the game, you know, last play of the game, it was unfortunate, really fucking shitty play, like, I, I don't know, it, it was, it's whatever, but 
DB snuck up, you know, obviously, you know, they're, they're overloading along the sidelines to, you know, protect from any player to get out of bounds to get, you know, for Evan to come in and get the kick. He just got fucked, absolutely fucked, um, fumbled the ball, but every play counts when you are competing against guys this good at the back end of this roster. Kwame Lasseter and Kendrick Pryor provide more, and they are more electric than Trent Nerland. Period. I really like Trent Nerland. We we just have so much talent on this roster. I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't know. You surely love him around. He's a third year guy for this team. Super impressive. But we know I we know who Trent Taylor is or Trent Nerwin is. But Kawami Lasser and Kendrick Pryor can provide more. So I think Trent, no, I'm not basing everything off the play. It wasn't his fault necessarily. He just got fucking decked. Every play matters, though. When you're putting up numbers like that and your teammates that are more electric than you are not only more talented than you, but showing it through stats and production... You got the shorter end of the stick. It's just the reality. So, I'm um, going to be interesting to see what happens with Irwin. Um, let's see. Going to go ahead and wrap this up here in a minute. Um, <clears throat> another thing I wanted to touch on is Thad Moss and the block on Kayvon Thibodeau. It's got way more attention like than I think anybody anticipated. I'm pissed about it. But for a little bit different reasons than what the common people... Look at his ass. They just assume it's a dirty block. It's not a dirty block. It's a lousy block. And the reality is of it, while it wasn't a dirty block, what was Kayvon doing? He made a bad play. He had a time, he had a lapse in his men, in his mental. He had a lapse in his game. The dude stood there for that 0.3 seconds in a bad fucking spot and got himself in a shitty situation. Thad made a lousy-ass block, and it ended up like that. Thank God Kayvon Thibodeau didn't get significantly injured. He's got an MCL sprain, going to be out for three to four weeks. Thank God. Best of luck in his you know quick recovery. Hopefully nothing worse comes from it. That's kind of the epitome of how Thad has been here. Lousy. Not enough. Lackluster. Listen, for me, I'm cool with the Thad experiment ending. The only reason he is still here, too, is because two of our tight ends are out, I think. I think, uh, is Mitchell Wilcox still out? I think he's still out. And Drew Sample's still out. <clears throat> Thad does many more things not good than good, as most back-end roster guys do. But... He's got the supremacy over other guys because of his relationship with Joe Burrow. Period. End of story. It's just the reality of who he is. But who he is is not enough and not good enough for this team on Sundays. It's not. That play was the epitome. It was a lackluster play. He shouldn't have thrown and tossed his body into a player to where when he took initiative and he took that step back to pull around and get that backside edge, when you see Kayvon standing there, you don't have to fucking toss yourself into his knees. Deck his ass by the shoulder. Like, yes, 
You're supposed to chip block. You're supposed to. But let me tell you something. When you're a talented player, sometimes your wisdom can take forward and you can make a better decision in a split second. No, you can't put all that on Thad because he's clearly not an elite guy, but he shouldn't make fucking lousy plays. That's what pisses me off about it. That's why I'm pissed about it. Not pissed because it was a dirty play or malicious or an illegal hit or he should be taken out of the game. It was a fucking lousy play. Bottom line. So for me, to sum it up, that's the epitome of Thad. I think the experiment's over. All right, so heading into week three of the preseason. Uh, oh, gosh. You know what? I have never had more joy in the preseason than this year. I'm super relieved about because, like, bro, the preseason, it, the, it's the biggest tease. But it's actually really cool to see how much some of these starters are playing. Um, while that's not the case for the Bengals, but like other teams, it was pretty cool. Just for the sake of competition. Uh, to see Daniel Jones and the starting offense out there till fucking second quarter. So, heading into week three. August 22nd, baby. August 27th is the last preseason game. Rams, like what are we doing? Bengals, Rams, preseason week three. What the fuck? This joint practice is about to be elite though. Bring on number five, bring on 99. Line them up against fucking five, or number one, and 67. I don't give a fuck. Cordell's about to be sharpened this week. He's about to get his ass kicked at times. Everybody gets their ass kicked from Aaron Donald, as we know. This joint practice is going to be real. Some people don't think it is. This is our fucking preseason. This is where, like, nobody is going to give a fuck about this preseason game, I promise you, when it comes by 27th. Why? Because they played... We went all out in the fucking joint practices, which are Wednesday and Thursday, the 24th and the 25th. Be ready, guys. I'm going to fucking be there. I'm going to be there as much as I can during those joint practices. I'm going to get great footy for you guys, and uh, it's about to be lit. It's about to go hard. We're about to go hard, all right? So stay tuned, y'all. It's going to be super exciting. Preseason week three, amazing things transpiring. Some promise from O-line, while still mostly question marks. Um, promise from our receivers, weapons on weapons on weapons on weapons. We got the best weapons in the league. We fucking know it. We've been known that. We knew it last year. I knew it last year before the season started. Everybody thought I was crazy. Just like everybody thought I was crazy when I posted my stat predictions last year. Thought I was delusional. I knew the Bengals were going to be the next big thing. And just like I think so this year, just like I think Joe Burrow is going to be MVP, just like I think Jamar Chase is going to be Offensive Player of the Year, Joe Burrow is going to have 5,800 passing yards, Jamar Chase is going to have 2,200 total yards. Of course, above everything, assuming clean health, anything could happen. My point is, we're, we're the real deal. And our real deal guys are about to go up against our fucking Super Bowl rival, the real deal dudes, this week. Fuck the preseason game. Our preseason game, our real game, it's about the most unofficial real game we could have is Wednesday and Thursday. Stay tuned, y'all. Appreciate you guys for tuning in to the fucking All Things Bengals podcast. Going to be an exciting week. Stay tuned for a lot of content, and I will talk to y'all later. Peace.